Can you resist the bright, shiny candy-like button? Welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch, the show where we watch movies we loved in our youth and see if they're actually still any good. I'm Nick. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. And I'm Super Ash. (laughs) And this time around, we're doing our San Diego Comic-Con extravaganza, and we will be watching Superman, the original uh, 1978 Superman uh, directed by Richard Donner. Um, as usual, we're going to talk a little bit about our expectations, uh, but then we're going to stop and watch the movie and pick up again at San Diego during Comic-Con, and we were hoping to hear some voices from some of our fans and some of our friends, um, people who may want to jump in and meet up with us at Comic-Con and talk to us a little bit about the movie. Um, now, I do want to also mention uh, that Another exciting thing is happening in the world of comic books. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, who is a huge writer for Marvel, who basically defined the modern Spider-Man, defined the modern Avengers, who created Jessica Jones, who's done so much amazing work at Marvel over this past year, left Marvel and took a job at DC where he will be the writer for, I think, three separate Superman books. Complete reboot of Superman. Um So we're going to also, I don't know if we'll all have the chance to, but at least some of us will read a few issues of The New Man of Steel, and we might have some stuff to talk about that as well. Um, So (laughs) that's a lot on our plate. What Have any of you, have you guys all seen Superman? No. 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 I've seen one of the Supermans. Supermans? Yeah. You guys haven't seen this movie. No, I feel like we've nope. discussed this before. How you always yeah. bring it up, and we're always like, we haven't seen it. Yeah, I wow. think the and I don't want to say the thing that I've seen because I think it's a big spoiler. But I think I've seen the third one. Okay. Yeah, the third one. I think that's the one with Richard Pryor. Gets a little squirrely. <laughs> I don't know if that's the third or the fourth one. I've seen um, Supergirl. Does that count? <laughs> uh, well, it's not the movie we're talking about, but it is. Really- <laughs> So this is Superman from 1978. Uh, we've seen some Richard Donner movies. We, we saw Goonies. We saw Lethal Weapon. We've talked quite a bit about Richard Donner. Uh, our stars here are Christopher Reeve, and Christopher Reeve was pretty unknown at this time. Uh, we've got Margot Kidder, Marlon Brando, and what? Gene Hackman. Oh, wow. Well, ah. Gene Hackman? How old yes. is Gene Hackman? I don't know. He's got to be getting up there. A vampire. <laughs> also, are you going to talk about who does the score? I am going to talk about the score. And and I wonder if you guys will indulge me for a moment <laughs> um, as I talk a little bit about the significance of Superman. Um, and if I'm too long-winded, let me know. But... You guys know that I'm a huge fan of superheroes. Ash, you, we, we've talked a little bit. You're not as big a fan of superhero movies. Well, Maybe I'm a, little... a Batman person. I'm Interesting. Hard, I love Batman. So, okay. to, you know, I feel like there's usually two camps of people. You're either Superman or Batman, usually. <laughs> you're, you're an Elvis man or a Beatles man. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking a lot about what 
makes Superman so important. And if you think about what Superman is, he is the superhero. If we lived in a world with no superheroes and there was only one, that hero would be Superman. Superman's powers are that he is super. You know, he is the the strange, powerful uh, guardian. You know, I... I'm a big fan of Spider-Man. Spider-Man is my guy, but Spider-Man wouldn't exist without Superman. Every superhero is in a way, in my opinion, a version of Superman. He is the, the shining beacon of hope, the protector, the person who teaches us that if you have the strength to do something good and you do not use that strength to do something good, then you are doing it wrong. That everybody should aspire to use their strengths in a way that will help the world, help people, and make the world a better place. Well, what is that quote? The uh, the bad deeds happen because good men do nothing or something like that? Yeah. Or the Spider-Man quote, with great power comes great responsibilities. This is the definition of Superman. And, you know, I, I, I think it's and, you know, everybody has their favorite superhero, everybody who has an interest in superheroes. And there's an important inclusion that the, that the superhero represents us. You know, Black Panther has done amazing things this year. Um, I think Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman, or Wonder Woman already has, and Captain Marvel very soon will be this symbol for women as a, as a superhero. And I think it's easy to say that Superman is not inclusive because he's just a white guy. But I think you need to remember that Superman was created at the tail end of World War II by Jewish writers as a direct response to the concept of the Ubermensch, which was a big part of the the Nazi propaganda. So this is, in my mind, a superhero for all. And he is the definitive superhero, the symbol of hope. And I have, I have expressed great frustration with some of these newer Superman movies, Batman versus Superman, Man of Steel, where they are not true to that character, to that intent, to that symbol of hope. And Sam, you, you mentioned the score. This is one of the most important scores by John Williams, one of the most important composers for film. And I want to give everybody a challenge. I want you to, whether you watch this movie and watch that opening credit or just find it on Spotify or whatever, listen to the overture of this score. Because the overture of this score tells you everything that you need to know about Superman that the new movies do wrong. It's, it's, it sets you up this mysterious you know, these mysterious little teases, then it grows into a, a grand strength and it builds to a flying, soaring symbol of hope. The music tells this story. And all you need is the overture to this score to tell you what Superman represents and why he's so important. And I'm sorry if that's like long-winded or anything, but this is to me a very important character, a very important film, and it sets up what is good about storytelling, what's good about the characters that we aspire to. And I, sorry, I, everybody's <laughs> kind of looking at me blank face, but that's where we're coming from. This is an important symbol to me, and us going to Comic Con and talking about this, I think, is very exciting. Even without having seen the movie or only seen him 
seen parts of the movie, hearing the score, like it, it 100% sets the tone. Like, you know, it's, it's funny how what you said is totally right about that music. Like, and it feels like superhero music without even knowing its context. If you hear it, it's, it's a score that stands on its own. You know, the music almost tells the story. Yeah. You know, some of my favorite movies of all times, you know, they do a really good job of allowing the score to take some of the weight of the storytelling. You know, like you think of Star Wars and like a lot of the iconic scenes have that heavy music. Indiana Jones, like that music, you know, really carries the adventure of the story. And so I'm excited to see how this music, you know, carries this story. I mean, I think music in filmmaking is most of the time the thing that's really carrying the emotion. You know, it's the thing that makes you tear up, usually. And and it should always just be accentuating what's already there. But, like, if you have a really emotional moment and you take the music out, it's not going to feel as impactful as it does with that great emotional music. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm excited... I'm, I'm surprised you haven't seen it and excited for you to see. And, and certainly, as we're saying, the music is going to play a big part of that. But there's a, there's a tone, there's a character, all, all of that stuff. Um, I'm curious your expectations. Like, Ash, what do you, what do you think? I mean, I'm sure at this point it's got to be tinged by my endless <laughs> spewing about the movie. But what, what are your expectations here? Ah, uh, uh, I give be honest. I don't think I'm gonna like it because okay. I, I honestly don't like Superman. I'm sorry, I'm not a fan. And, uh, and that's totally fine. Like, I, I'm curious why you don't like Superman because I hear a lot of this from a lot of people. I, Nick's just like, why, Ash? Explain. Yeah, yourself. why? <laughs> I'm gonna explain why I don't like Superman by explaining why I like Batman. What I like about okay. Batman is that he's just a normal human. And mm-hmm. and he's a normal human who still accomplishes and does superhuman-like things. And so, to me, I don't like the idea that there's... I think maybe this is why I'm not, like, a huge fan of, like, the superhero genre in general. Is like, I don't like the idea that there has to be something special about this person for them to do great things. Like I like Mm -hmm. the idea that every human has the potential to do great things. And that's what I feel like Batman brings to the table. Like that's the message of Batman for me. So between the two, I've always gravitated more towards Batman um, because of that. But uh, I mean, I know that it's also problematic that his superhero is having lots and lots of money, but... (laughs) (laughs) But I like the idea that he's just like a normal guy who decided like, no, I want to, you know, do good things, you know, in the world. Yeah, he's an, I love ninjas. So, you know, (laughs) Uh, um, but it's not, it's not necessarily that I like hate Superman or anything. I've just never really like gravitated towards that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think also because you know, another reason why I like Batman is usually the Batman plots don't revolve around a damsel in distress as much as Superman does. Like, I feel like from what I know of Superman, yeah. there's always this vision of Lois 
Lane or right, right, yeah, yeah. Yep. Lois Lane like falling and Superman having to save her and like same thing with Spider Man like it feels like it plays really heavy on the damsel in distress that I'm not really like think, a fan of. I think that's particularly true of the old Fleischer cartoons mm-hmm. and and maybe the the 1940s or 1950s TV show. Okay, yeah. Seems- I, I I think there's definitely basis to that. <laughs> Yeah. Seems like a thing like wh- the second time you've fallen from a great height, you should start avoiding great heights. <laughs> <laughs> Lois. Well, it's just. She's got to get the story, you guys. <laughs> it's just always like the w- saving the woman is used as like a plot device that's like kind of, you know. Yeah. It's lame. <laughs> okay. But I, that being said, I have not seen this movie and I don't. I'm basic I'm basing that off of stereotypes of Superman. You know, like I yeah. haven't actually seen the films. So Well, I I think that's such a valid opinion. Like everything that you're saying, like you are going to gravitate towards the characters that you like and you know, you've got a really good foundation for why you like Batman. Um you know, I I I think for example, Mr. Zack Snyder does not like Superman. And should not have made Superman movies, yeah. you know? <laughs> and if you want to make other movies, make other movies. Yeah. Clearly I have a chip on my shoulder. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how much of those concerns play out in this movie and, you know, how you feel after it. Yeah, I think it would be awesome to be, like, pleasantly surprised and be like, oh, wow. But I, I like, yeah. I, honest to God, I have not even, I mean, I know that Christopher Reeve, plays Superman, but like, that's, that's the only thing I know about this movie. Like, I don't, I don't think I've even seen like clips from this movie. That's how like in the dark I am about it. So I don't, I guess, you know, it has the potential of completely surprising me. Like you guys were talking about the, the, um, score. I, I don't even know. I've never even heard that. So I don't know. You've, you've heard bits of it. I'm trying to remember in Ferris Bueller, I think it's the Superman score, either that or it's Star Wars. Where the the guys who work in the garage steal the car? Star and they go Wars. Oh, it's Star ride. Wars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they are yeah, similar I'm, I'm, scores. Like you'll recognize the themes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's possible I've heard it with like here's a montage of you know right. John Williams sort of thing, and I just didn't know yeah. what it was. Mm-hmm. What do you expect, Brett? You say you've seen a Superman. Uh, yeah, not enough to really have a good memory of it. Uh, I think. When I was younger, I had uh, a limited access to comics. I, I was briefly into comics and then just kind of fell away for other hobbies. Uh, and I was really big into Spider-Man. And I feel like I'm, I'm trying to come up with like a good metaphor for how I feel about Superman in general. And I think it's that... Sexy? Is that the word you're looking for? There you go. That's mm-hmm, it. Sexy. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what I was looking for. Um when we were in art school, there were uh, two camps, and I was alone in one of them, uh, which was modern art versus, like, you know, fine art. Uh, classic. Classic, yeah, classical artwork. And uh, a lot of people, everyone hated modern art because it was, uh, because what made it cool was the context. Mm. And not maybe a lot of it, not so much exactly the art, like classical art was like, this is a beautiful thing. We have to put it on canvas. Modern art is like, you know, this is a square, but like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, what what does that actually mean? Um, And I feel like 
that's what I'm hoping to get out of watching this is right now I'm on the team that is kind of like, I don't really care too much about Superman, but I also don't know too much about the Superman lore. Like I know the bad guys, uh, you know, cause I, there's the cartoons a little bit when I was younger, but I don't mm-hmm. know these movies. And I, what I want is that context to appreciate like what's, you know, what makes Superman dope. And I think this is where it comes from for a lot of people. Uh, is these is these movies? So yeah, I'm not. I've got I've got high hopes because I think this film and and this series is pretty fondly remembered by a lot of people. The first two of this series, anyway. Yeah, I, I think it'll be I think it'll be good. But yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it, uh, and I just I I want to get that uh, the the meat behind the visuals that I have because the the visual that I have is not flattering, which is a, a, you know. <laughs> kind of a like the milk toast dragon ball z like whenever he needs a new power he has it kind of thing Uh, (laughs) that is the perfect (laughs) description of dragon ball z that's literally like every season was like and now he's a new level of super saiyan that we never knew existed exactly yeah that's that's my expectations i think it'll be good uh and i'm mostly just excited to experience it finally all right sam what do you think never seen it right Correct. Question. Is this the first superhero movie? No, I don't think that's true. Um, I'm Googling it. I'm having a hard time thinking of another movie. Probably the first big mainstream movie. There there was a a movie version of the 1966 Batman TV series. Okay. Um, But that was more a spinoff of the TV show. I would bet there was a shadow movie i'm sure i mean there were lone ranger movies if you count that yeah Mm, Um, yeah. i mean as far as like our big blockbuster movies i'm not going to say it was the first but it was definitely a groundbreaker yeah well i'm mostly really excited to see kind of the roots of these movies Mm -hmm. and i really want to see like what sort of creative things stuck and what things evolved with the time so, I mean, 1970-something, I'm sure people watched, you know, superhero movies much differently than we watch them today. So, I'm hoping that it's more, like, character-focused and more about, like, him as a character and, like, the struggles that he has to go through as opposed to, like, fight, 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 action, guns, explosions sort of thing. So, that's okay. my, my prediction. My, my hope, I guess. Okay. Well, uh, so then the next question, are, are you, are any of you planning along with me to read some of the new comic book? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to say yes, but I have a really bad commitment issue with books. So <laughs> you've got an intense day job. Um, I think by the time Comic-Con happens, there will have been three, maybe four issues of the new Man of Steel. I don't think we should try and focus on the other books because those are launching, I think, in late July. Um, but yeah, if, if you guys want to get on board with that, I would encourage you to check out the first few issues of Man of Steel. Make sure it's the new one by Brian Michael Bendis. You can use the Comixology app to buy it digitally if you want to do that. But I, I wonder if you guys, I mean, your relationship with comic books and if you have any particular expectations there. Sam, have you, you read comics? I have not read a comic. I'm sorry. Wow. Never read a comic book. That's Only kind of me, then. <laughs> crazy considering you're the the art student 
you know, I mean, Brett went to art school too, but that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Not even like manga or. Nope. Never was into anime. I just have like, I guess a comment. I have, cause I haven't read comics in many years. Uh, and it's, I think it's what I remember the most about the Spider-Man comics that I love. And I still had, uh, one of the books on the bookshelf here, uh, that I, that I had from when I was younger. And it's, you know, it's weird that we do a movie podcast and I feel like movies are the inferior medium to expressing like character <laughs> ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Interesting. Because I feel like I get such a better image of what a, what a character is through reading and comics added a second layer to that where you got to see their reactions and their, and their, the characters in motion but you were still left with your own like imagination to fill in the ways in which what they were doing was relevant to you. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't read much American comics. I read a little, actually Deadpool was the one I read a few issues of. Um, but, uh, and I read some Batman, but, uh, mostly I was into graphic novels and, manga and anime and all that so but it was the same sort of thing where you had a visual with the with the text and you also had several several issues to sort of experience a character and like you know you have you have a much longer time frame for character development with stuff like that yeah yeah and and the the long running nature of a comic book gives them an opportunity to do more experimentation and do more crazy ideas where movies have this burden to be more focused on the core themes mm-hmm. of a topic. Yeah, know, there's the only so much change a character can have in a movie, you know. Yeah. But that's why things like Game of Thrones and Westworld are so popular because it's it's telling the story of these characters and much longer character development. Yeah. yeah, you get much more time in a TV series or a book or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, if if you guys are up for it, it'll be interesting to talk a little bit about the book as well, and maybe some of our friends at Comic-Con will have something to say about that. Well, yeah, I, thanks for indulging my, my soapbox about Superman, and now uh, we'll check out the movie and fast-forward to San Diego and see how everybody feels about it. If you're a woman falling from a building, look out. Okay, are you rolling? Yeah, we're always rolling. Fix it in post. We're at Comic-Con, you guys. Yeah. Let's get right out in front of the cool thing here. Mitch... Is with us. You want to be on the recording, Mitch? I would love to be on the recording. We've heard so much from you on Twitter, on Facebook. It's super cool to have you here in person. Yeah, it's super cool. You, I saw the air quotes. You're sitting there like, this guy will not leave us alone. We might as well just invite him out. See if he wants to come and join us, and then he'll be out of our hair, right? I mean, this whole thing was just for you, Mitch. Ah, all right. Just so we could, you know, finally be like, God, get rid of that guy. Get rid of him. 
but you were you were coming to Comic Con anyway, you know, and it just I, it worked out. It's cool to talk to people who are into the stuff we're into and who are at Comic Con as well. You know, and I, I'm glad to, to meet up with the people that I, I really do enjoy listening to. I, you know, your podcast, one of the best ones I listen to every Aww. other week. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's great. It, I, you guys announced that you were going to be here doing a meetup. I was like, this is perfect. Yeah, it's rad. You're like the uh, the community leader on on, uh, on the internet there. I mean, I see things. I like to try and spark up conversations. Is it not too many people that I know that I can go and talk about with movies, especially movies, especially older movies that you know are going to at least have something to say back. Well, it's good because you've seen the amount of effort we put into it. So. <laughs> can we acknowledge this badass beaker rolling up on us? Look at this guy. Oh my god. That oh, wow. some work. That's just a full roll of paper on someone's head. We haven't seen a lot of cosplay compared to other years, but the cosplay I see is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. It's you know, it, people put in the put in the effort, and when you when you come across the ones that put in the best effort, it's, it's, it's great. So you know, I I saw Mitch coming because you're wearing the red Son of Krypton T-shirt. We'll probably have pictures on Twitter. So are you are you a big Superman guy? I I am a big Superman guy. Superman was uh, my first comic book superhero. Uh, I have the tattoos to to appreciate to appreciate him. I have the T-shirts. You know, uh, I love the movies, even if they are hit and miss a lot of times. Those they people are excited about Superman. the movies. Wait, okay, they I want to talk about this. Them. Yeah, these people are trying to save Timeless again. The show was canceled at NBC once. They saved it, came back for a second season, it got canceled again. They're trying to bring it back for a third season. Is that what they're doing? And there's helicopters. And I've seen airplanes pulling signs. There's a helicopter pulling a sign in the sky that says save timeless. Yep. How much money does it cost to rent out helicopters? Who's got, who's got this? Is it the, is it the people making the show? I, th- they? I think I saw it was like not that much money to rent one of those helicopters. Oh, okay, guys. Well, fair enough. I, I just thought if they've got helicopter cash, don't they have like production cash? <laughs> Maybe it's not the same. So, did you happen to watch the 1978 Superman before coming out here, or is just like really fresh in your memory? Or where do you stand on that movie? Okay, so I did watch it in preparation because I knew nice. I was, was going to come out here and talk to talk to you all. Good job. Um, the one person doing the podcast right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many people actually watch the movies in between. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie. I usually don't because they are usually pretty fresh in my mind already. Good. But well, 78 yeah. Superman had been a while since I watched it again. Um, it's still kind of the same place for me. I love the tone that that movie sets. I love the aesthetic and the way they um, represent Superman. The dialogue and stuff is probably left best in the in the 70s. You know, like a lot of that stuff. And I don't know other. I, I thought it was corny when I first saw it. I still think it's a little corny, but I still love Superman, so. I feel ya. I feel ya. <laughs> it looks like Ash has stuff to say. Like, I do have stuff to say, but I feel, feel like I said a lot in the first half of this episode. And we haven't talked. We've all watched it recently. We haven't talked since. We've intentionally yeah, we've been avoided that. we've been hanging out all week and not saying anything. Yeah, I think this I, is the first time we've watched the movie independent of each other. Well, I did have the privilege of re-watching the movie with Brett. Oh, and okay. laughing at all the things that he thought was ridiculous that I also was like, right? <laughs> what would one of those be? Say, Jim, that is one bad outfit. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I, it was more like the total lack of understanding of how time works, but that's okay. You're talking about the rolling back time. By, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, 
There was there were several things that it, didn't make any sense logically in this movie. In my notes, I just wrote turning back time. Nope. <laughs> nope. No. I did love how in the beginning of the film that the punishment for those people was just to become like an album cover, apparently. <laughs> now here's here's a problem that you kind of have to watch Superman and Superman 2 back to back to get that. Somebody told me this. They yeah. were like, they're like, you just watched the first one. You need to watch the second one. And I was like, but it's for yeah. a thing. And I it, don't know. just the second one. You have to watch the second one as the Donner cut because oh, Richard Donner yes. got taken off midway through the movie or midway through editing. And well, he I'm was not shooting sure exactly both when. of them at the same time. Right. Yeah. I did. I looked this up a little bit. Hold on. I got it. My consumption. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Ash is, Ash is like sick at Comic-Con here, spreading the plague. Yeah, she's spreading the con crud. I'm you. <laughs> I'm suffering. Um, yeah, I looked it up. Like he, they, they were shooting the movies at the same time, and he got fired from Superman 2. At the, you know, so he's like, he shot ha- more than half of the movie, which is why he like should be the director. And then so the other director had to come in and shoot reshoot close-up shots so if you apparently if you watch superman 2 you'll notice that the close-up shots of the characters are different but the close-up shots were the easiest thing for him to reshoot because apparently legally a director has to shoot at least 50 or more percent of the film to be labeled as the director that seems and that's like why richard donner isn't the director professional on that cheating it is it totally is professional cheating. 40 years later, we have the same problems with Justice League, you know, with a, another Superman property or DC property. I just I, I think that's interesting. Yeah, and, and it really, that was a big factor, that percentage thing of who shoots what percentage of the movie to decide whether Snyder or Whedon got the director credit on Justice League. And it's interesting you said 50, and I don't know if it's changed over time, because I feel like it's a different percentage for Justice League. It might have. Yeah, I it might have been an old article. The other really interesting thing in Superman Two is Marlon Brando took a walk because of this bullshit. So anything that had been written as a like the the Fortress of Solitude projection of Jarrell became Lara. Like they were able to get her, but they couldn't get Brando. Can we talk about Marlon Brando in this movie? Krypton. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Krypton. And was he was that a British accent? Ooh. Was that what he was trying to do? It might have been what he was trying to do. It was, okay. First off, worst performance probably of all time. Totally. And second off, do you know how much money he got paid to do that film? He was number one billed on the film. It was like $3.7 million in the 70s to phone in a performance where literally his lines were written on cards around the set. And he did such a bad job. A horrible job. (laughs) But it was a marketing tool, and I think it worked. It was a Gene Hackman and Marlon Brando movie. What's what's his name? Clell. Clell. Dude, come on. Seriously. I just can't believe he got paid three point. Seven, or I think it was it's three point something million. Don't at me. I don't care. <laughs> it was too much money. Do you think that's like a that's like a we're making this is 1978. We're making a a comic book movie. We need something to legitimize it. So we're bringing Hackman and, and Brando. Absolutely no question. The, you know the other thing I'd heard was that Gene Hackman refused to go bald. Absolutely refused. And I guess so that's why they did the gag with the. So they bent at the he bent at the very end to do like for that second in the prison. But for the rest of the movie, he's doing different wigs and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was more important than, to them to have Gene Hackman than to have Lex Luthor bald. Really? I mean, it's interesting how our like story tastes have changed. 
Because nowadays, like, superhero movies are so popular, you'd be like, we'll just get whoever. Like, that's not true to the villain. Mm, yeah. And then back then, it was, like, one of the first superhero movies. And, like, guys, we got to sell this to the normal people. And right. it's really sad, too, because, like, I mean, I like Gene Hackman. He's great. And so good in this movie. No. So good no, in no, this movie. Not good he in this told, movie. He told, he spoke volumes with his eyes. When Otis would do something dumb, the things that Gene Hackman did with his eyes were incredible. So, but, I, I have a question for you then, Nick. What was the genre of this movie? Yes, that's a good question because <laughs> okay. Cause okay. like his performance was not that of a villain. His performance was that of the com- comedic relief. Yeah, they definitely played Lex Luthor very funny. I think Otis was really the comic relief. But their routine together. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's they, the straight they, man in the comic relief, but, like, he is playing the comic relief. And I think they relief. made an intentional move to try to make it light and funny, which I think is good and, and something that's missing from some of our modern DC movies. But I movies. think that was a bad choice because I never felt like he was a scary villain and I never felt like he was a threat. When I saw the film. And I, and I think that's, they were definitely going for a Silver Age version of Lex Luthor, where, where the whole real estate scam or real estate plot is the one that is the, is, would definitely be something that that version of Lex Luthor, because the Silver Age comic books are the ones that are very much, you know, uh, Robin and Batman and Superman all sitting on a battleship waving at the soldiers kind of, you know, it's just, it, that's the, that's just the, the that version of the comic books were so I think that's why you you have that version of Lex Luthor going after you know Dark Knight Returns we get much darker or more serious characters in all our comic books this is interesting so this is this was a like a true to the comics it's a four color world imagine like I think of the cover where Captain America punches Hitler it's the four color world yeah okay I mean, also, too, going back to, like, Tim Burton's Batman, now, with the perspective of Christopher Nolan, it looks cheesy, and it looks kind of campy and, like, fun and too bright. But comparatively, it was the darkest Batman or the darkest superhero movie at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But can't can't you see a progression, draw a line? Like, there's 1978 Superman, then there's... Tim Burton's Batman, then there's Chris Nolan's Batman. You can see a progression, a, yeah. a change of tone in movies like this. Yeah, I just, from a modern day perspective, from someone who's never seen the film before, like, it just didn't work for me because it it never felt like there were much stakes and, like, there was really a bad guy. I think what got in my way was, uh, uh, obviously, Lex Luthor, uh, but his constantly need to announce that he was a criminal yes yeah <laughs> I, I think it was ridiculous he wasn't that intimidating so let to get on board with the lex luthor hate it really bugged me how like he's supposed to be the super genius but he put together he knew exactly where krypton was he knew yes, that a rock you. from krypton would kill superman yeah like how do you what are you basing this where did you yeah, get any of this, this is information what I mean by like the logic in this movie just like some of it just doesn't make any sense. And, yeah. and I don't want to keep playing this note, but if you watch the two movies together, you know, those three in the Phantom Zone are really the villain. And that works. Because I like there's like that montage. OK, here's my quick recap of the film. The first 47 minutes of this movie were so slow and boring, in my opinion. And I think they could have been 10 minutes. And then when he got to like New York and he's like saving people. I was like, okay, this is cool. I like this. But then we got into this like batshit crazy plan to like make half of California, which I don't even know. 
if that would happen. That was on the ballot this year. I know. I thought about that. I was like, I was like, it's like his evil plan to split up California right down that same line. Oh my line. god, that guy is actually literally Lex Luthor in real yeah, life. I, Holy no, shit! No, of course it doesn't make sense. It's a comic book movie. <laughs> right, but I just, I, I was like, there was a little bit of more like rough around the edges realism with like the helicopter thing that then sort of went away with this slapstick, like, yeah. almost Benny Hall-esque, like, we're going to stop the military brigade and we're going to pretend there was a car accident with this hot lady. But keep in mind, yeah. like, that that montage of him, like you're, like you're seeing the helicopter, Air Force One, but he saved a kitty from a tree mm-hmm. and the mother slaps the little girl for lying that about was it. Dark. Yeah, that was dark. That was and crazy. It's, it's goofy, cheesy stuff. Yeah. But I, I like that the beginning took time. It, it felt very oh, yeah, cinematic. I'm so with you on that. And, and it's not something that they do in superhero movies anymore. You know, it's, it's action, action, action. And it's overwhelming and it's too much sensory overload. I love that we got to kind of feel these characters and like and it, it felt like in. I kept feeling like this has got a tone of never ending story. That's oh. what I was getting from it. Well, so totally. like a, a modern thing that was like that. And you're, I, I can never remember the name of the guy that was in the second most recent Spider-Man reboot. Oh, Garfield. Garfield. Yeah. Uh, and that his, you know, origin story sequence was, I think, my favorite Spider-Man origin story sequence. And I, well, you can disagree if you want, Mr. Cringe Face, Nick. No, I just, uh, Peter Parker should not be cool. That's the, the unforgivable mistake in those movies. But, but they spent a lot of time on him, like, figuring out his life with the powers. And, and, and that was kind of what it felt like they were leading into with this, this Superman thing. Uh, but they kind of just dropped it. Like, the, his friends drive away, and then yeah. that is the end of Superman actually being Clark Kent, like, uh, of the childhood part. And it's just like, oh, I kind of really wanted more of that backstory. Yeah, it's not that I didn't, I don't like that idea. It was that the, there were really only like three scenes and they took 47 minutes. Like his beating them there to the house. And he's just like, Hey guys. And they're like, how the fuck did you get here? Clark? (laughs) That was real good. And, and that's, I think somebody saw that and said, let's make a TV series out of this. Yeah. Like that's Smallville. Yeah. Oh, never seen Smallville. You know, I honestly, uh, what I wanted was I wanted baby Superman. The show, like the, the high <laughs> Superman baby. Well, when he like lifts the car up, you know, because the it, jack falls over. I was it, like, this is the this is what I want to see. I want to see hijinks of baby Superman. Would it be anything like Baby Muppets? Probably not, because he would have superpowers. <laughs> it's more like just like Jack Jack from The Incredibles. So. All right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, totally. Anyway, I just felt like the pacing of this film is definitely a seventies pacing now, film. What about these? beautiful crane shots of the wheat Oh, the fields. cinematography is oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Don't get me wrong. The cinematography and the music is great, even though Brett and I had this discussion uh, when he was watching it that it felt very it. Star wars Yes. Oh, it was, yeah, it was the same time period. John Williams yeah. was being John Williams for sure. It, it yeah. was <laughs> one year out from A New Hope. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Wait, wait, my one comment about the music is like, it was beautiful and very cinematic, but Sometimes it was too dramatic for what was on screen. Yeah. You know, like we're zooming into the town um, on Krypton and nothing's happening. And oh, it's I like, I love that. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, what? It, it, What's happening? I feel like that Shutter Island. That accomplished the goal. It was, it, it gave me the majesty of the scene, 
even though what was being shot was just a slow shot of a model. Yeah. It worked for me, but I understand if it didn't work for you. That whole everything on Krypton, is that? Krypton. Okay. Krypton. 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 I just, so, I I hated all of that. I'm sorry. The, the like shiny aluminum foil outfits, what was going (laughs) on? I will say, I do want to know how they achieved that effect because it was very interesting. I actually know. Okay. So those, they're wearing, um, think of your bicycle pedals that have that reflective thing on it. Yes. Okay. So those suits were made of that. Okay. And they were blasting them with light. With lights. From That's what I the thought. Camera. It yeah. was so it really yeah. was aluminum Reflective. foil outfits. That's basically. A, a simplified way of saying. Yeah. I, now I disagree with Ash on this. I thought those costumes were dope. Yeah. I, I dug it. Uh, like it's it's exactly that. Like the retro futurism. Like totally. I think I would have liked them a lot better if they didn't look all crinkly like tinfoil. That was the thing for me. Like, if they just had the reflective thing, cool. But they, like, literally looked like someone crumpled up tinfoil and, like, molded it around them. That was the part that I was, like, not... You look like a sandwich someone's saving for later. <laughs> so, I don't know. They, they looked kind of like that baby son hosed. from Teletubbies. Yeah. Okay. You know how it's all, like, bright and, and sunny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, here's the thing that kept haunting me as I was watching that whole sequence. All of the, the, the village elders of Krypton think that Jarell's theories are dumb and Jarell believes them. So he puts his baby into this spaceship and launches him. What if Jarell was wrong and he just shot his baby into space? I was totally thinking that. But, well, the but, thing I was thinking yeah. was like, why the fuck is he not going with them? Because, like, the planet's going to explode. There's no consequences if you tell them, yeah, I'm not leaving the planet. And then you do. He could either record three years of audiobooks for his son to listen to on the flight or pack his own bag. Right? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Why? I couldn't couldn't understand why. I'm sorry. Also, he was like, the planet will blow up within 30 days. And then 30 seconds later, (laughs) the planet was blowing up. Well, I think... Film editing, you can skip some time. What? They do that? <laughs> but it wasn't, it didn't feel edited to like imply that there was more time. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah, I agree. All the things you guys are saying are accurate, but then it's the tone of a comic book. And, and yeah. the, all it, these things work for me. Like, is this what the new Krypton thing is going to be? Where it's going to be like, uh, the planet's going to explode, and then there's, like, a real investigation into if the planet's going to explode. Here's my working theory. I don't know much about this new Krypton show, but in Man of Steel, the newer Superman movie, they had Russell Crowe as Jor-El, action, action Jor-El. Uh, that's my guess is that's what this Krypton TV show is going to be about. I don't know. Do you know anything about I, it? I, I do watch it. Um so in this new Krypton show, they're definitely taking from the Krypton you saw in The Man of Steel with Russell Crowe. The idea is that this is, you're following the story of Kal-El's grandfather, so Jor-El's father. Ah. And uh, the world back then, or Krypton back then, is more faith-based as opposed to science-based that we see when uh, Jor-El is trying to explain, hey, the, the, our planet's about to blow up. So what, they, what you have is a time traveler from the future... Uh, by the name of Adam Strange, comes back to past Krypton to say, hey, you need to let your planet explode or else your grandson is never going to go to to Earth and then oh. save the rest of the universe. So 
that's kind of what that show is about. Is the rest of the universe just Earth? Because we think we're the center of the universe. It is. Yes and no. I mean, they, you know, they, you, you got things like Doomsday. If he if he were to you know finish off the rest, if he finished off Earth, he'd go to the next planet and kill that. So got it. Okay. Did was anybody sitting here thinking, where's the Green Lantern Corps? Can't they come and like give them some some information here? Yeah. Is, is that plot canon? Like uh, which one? The plot of the new show. Of the new show. It's. I mean, it's not canon in the comic books, but yeah. I mean, it's. It's. I can see where they're trying to mix it into what new, is now like, being called the world of DC. Yeah. And that's like, is the Gotham TV show canon? Like, no. They're just trying to build stuff up. Because they want to make a Batman show, but they don't want to put Batman in it. They want to make a Superman show, but not put Superman in it. Oh, they can do a Supergirl show. They can, they can do a Flash show, even though there's a Flash in a movie somewhere. Hey, speaking of Flash. <gasps> Daleks. Daleks Miller. Daleks Welcome. is here, everyone. You know Daleks from other episodes. Yes. Like the po- Pokemon. Yeah. Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. <laughs> Daleks con. You, you're coming on theme with your Krypton bag. We were just talking about this. Yes, Daleks has a, a Krypton bag. It's not mine. This is something I've uh, sort of commandeered from somebody that Nick knows. Daleks has been on the show before. Oh. Mitch, first time on the show. Mitch is a, a, a often contributor to our Facebook and Twitter conversations. Just say super fan is what you want. It's a super annoying fan, that's all. He's our super fan. Hey, it's not just B-team. You're B-team leader. <laughs> Do you have thoughts on Superman? Have you seen the movie recently? I have never seen the Richard Donner Superman. Oh, what dude. are you doing I will here? Set, set the mic well, I like you guys, Alex. and I was hoping we could still be friends. <laughs> I don't know. You're done. All right. <laughs> Actually, as far as superhero movies go, it's not very gruesome, which I appreciate. No, it's it's lighthearted. It's it's that four color world. It's it's Although, can I it's say, a world with joy in it, which yeah. has been sucked out of the newer Superman. Oh, movies. Nick, you're getting you're, <laughs> Superman. I can in this tell movie. you're so close to it's so close to your heart here, huh? He was so he close. was a very 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 horny Superman. Oh yes. Wait a minute, yes. which one? This one. This one. He was the whole uh, on ladies' panties. I mean, I mean yeah, to like, be fair. He's like, let me. I can him. see through yeah, your clothes. Yeah, she did. She asked him what is what color her. Lois was, was ready to jump and his bones he way was before not he thought about hesitant it. Hesitant in answering. Hey, he was like, um, well, you're standing behind lead, so I can't see right now. He, he needed <laughs> to prove he has powers. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. what she asked. She also, would ask, you know, yeah. what's and then they talk for like doing? three more minutes, and then she takes a step back, and he's like pink by the but, way but also it shows what a gentleman he was because he could have done it the whole time and he didn't do it until she asked see i i think a true gentleman would have politely declined to answer that question you know and i feel like to me we talk about you talk about superman not being treated like correctly i didn't feel like that was a superman thing to do I she think he should have politely, which is a lot declined. more than fucking and then James Bond. She wrote Bond a whole that. space poem about okay, him. I, this I want to talk about. The worst part of the movie. <laughs> it was okay, so read my mind. Have, do you know about this? That was supposed to be a musical segment. She was supposed to be singing. Oh wow! Those words, but Richard Donner last minute was like. No, we're just going to have her that, talk that it. That probably would have been rhymed. Because it would have been awful. Yeah. But yeah. apparently it is a song that was released a year later that actually was fairly successful. So mm. it's a real song you can look Super up. Superman. But that sounds pretty really Super creepy. Man. I would have loved that version. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the, that line, he's such a Superman, is exactly the line of, in the Han Solo movie, who are your people? 
I'm alone. Okay, you're Han Solo. It's the same thing, and I hate it. And I think maybe the Han Solo movie took that from Superman. And was that like a common thing back then? Because it kind of was a little bit of a, like a shucks, golly gee, what a super swell guy. Like, yeah. After she like did this, I mean, how long was that scene? It felt like it went on forever. It and went she's on just for like, a long ass I time. am so hot for you, Superman. Take me home. And, oh, you're so super. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, first off, a lot of these scenes. I don't went blame on her. He was pretty hot looking. I'm not going to lie. He definitely filled out that suit, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and that was I, pre CG. He so. is very there was charming. No CG. <laughs> I would say Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves? Yes? Yeah. Christopher Reeves. Okay. I don't think there's an S at the end. Really? I thought there was. Christopher Reeves. Reeves. Or is it the other way around? I don't know. I thought it was Reeves. No I don't know. This? Berenstein, Berenstein, <laughs> we'll never now. know. Uh, he he is very charming, and I thought he was fantastic. And you you said Nick earlier we were having conversation about this, where you said that he dubbed over the yes, the I other love actors, this. The, the younger the actors, the teenage Clark Kent. His voice was just ADR of Christopher Reeves' voice, which makes it so perfect. The way there's no S, sorry. Okay, but it would have been George Reeves. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it, it really makes you immediately lock into that character and, and think it's the same character because it's Christopher Reeves' voice dubbed into this guy's performance. Yeah. And I think an amazing bit of acting after the, you know, the poem scene, Superman flies off, Clark Kent comes and knocks on the door. That was a beautiful piece of acting. Oh. The way he's, he's kind of slouching down, he's very timid and nervous. But that moment where he takes off his glasses and becomes Superman and he catches himself and says, no, I can't be that guy right now. And yeah. he shrinks back into Clark Kent. That was a beautiful performance. That was, that great. was a great that, scene. Yeah. Honestly, I want to say that is probably the, one of the best things about that version of Superman or of uh, Superman 78 is that we get that transformation from Clark Kent to Superman and seeing how there is something different between the two characters. And maybe you can see in, in a stretch of, why Lois can't tell the difference between the two. I mean, one character is so larger than life, stands up straight, saves the world. The other one is this timid reporter that can barely get two words out. But I, that's, I just love that, that part when his clothes are so ill-fitting as Clark Kent and, you know, the glasses are super overdone. And you can't do that in mo the modern Superman because the the fashion, like, won't allow that, it seems like. The modern-day fashion won't allow that. So you have Clark Kent in tiny glasses that don't really obscure his face and yeah really tight clothing you know henry cavill's just a huge dude though so i mean I, it's understandable i also i love in that same scene i love that moment where she's like so dazed you know that she's not even paying attention to him and she's like that's clark nice or whatever as she like <laughs> goes out the door which is great as lois she is pretty self-absorbed yeah. And, yeah, and I actually works. didn't I, like her. Oh, yeah, I've always hated Lois. Like, yeah. I, I like the character in the story. You what? Margot Kidder didn't do it for you. No, not at oh. all. Okay. I, I love oh. the character in the story, but if I had to spend time with that person, fuck her. Oh. But, okay, th think of this. The chick from Hudsucker Proxy, her as Lois Lane. Good, did, right? Did any of you think that she could easily be played by Rashida Jones if they did a reboot? Ooh, yeah, I like that. Sure. She that would be likable. Cool. Likable, so likable. Yeah, definitely. I kept wanting her to be Rashida Jones. Yeah, and like, I get that she's like a career woman. That's fine. Like, I'm not against that. I'm a career woman. I don't want kids either, but like, 
They, I just girl. wish she was like a little bit more likable. I just felt she kind of switched, you know, like in the beginning, she was pretty cool. She was like, I'm about my career, whatever, dude, trying to hit on me. Like, I don't have time for you. And then she gets mugged and she like kicks the guy's gun out of the, his hand. I was like, this is an awesome character. The minute Superman came in, she was like, <laughs> I was like, nope, over it. Done. Mm. Yeah, she does get kind of weak in the knees there. Yeah, and then yeah. she, like, suddenly needed to be saved all the time. Like, I don't know. You think was that was like, on accident? Yeah, but I was going to say, a dude comes flying up, he catches you as you're falling to your death. You're probably going to make an instant bond with him and want him to be around, I would assume. Right, Can we talk about fair. how fucking gruesome that buried alive thing was? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's and, such a, like, I, trope, though, of, of women that, like, I'm not cool with, you know, is that yeah. like, just because some dude saved us, we're like so instantly in love with him. Like, yeah, that's not, that's not true guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, four color world. Yeah. But, but uh, Brett, I really like this scene you're talking about. Like you are, you're watching a movie like this and nobody's going to die. Superman's going to save them. And that was gut wrenching to sit there and watch Lois die. And the thing that I, I, I love so much is he pulls the car out, he sees her, and then just without hesitation, without any any stress, just rips the door off of the car and throws it across the desert. Mm-hmm. And, and just that that speed of, of that was amazing. Yeah, that was great. Uh, like every part of that was fantastic, and and up until the 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 yell, and then. <laughs> and then the, everything after that was a super goof. I don't and, know. I think yeah, mine I, agree. I was but... really feeling it. And I was like, oh, no, like this is crushing because this was such a lighthearted movie until right now. And like, I don't know it, if it, it got too dark way. too quick. Yeah, I, I, mean, I actually I agree. I liked the scene where she died. And because it, so, <laughs> it was the one thing in the movie that I didn't find predictable. And I was like, oh, shit, she's really dead. Wow. And then he just reverses it. And I was like, I feel like this would have been more powerful and impactful if she stayed dead. And this was his motivation for wanting to stop all the bad guys in the future. You know, like what did he reverse? Yeah. It's a little hard to tell because (laughs) all of the other things he did during that period of time when she was dying still got done. Yeah, Yeah. It didn't make any sense at all. Um, another guest just showed up. Uh, hello. This is Marshall Hi. Vandruff. Hi, Hi Marshall. Marshall. I've, tell, I've told you about him a little bit. Uh, Marshall was uh, Sam and my uh, college teacher uh, back when we were in art school, and he's uh, a very, very cool dude. I have a mic in my hand, and I'm sorry I'm coming in on this after you guys have already talked, and so I don't have any context, which makes me the outsider. I don't know whether you've <laughs> Well, we were just Freddy's talking about how it makes no sense that Superman turned time back, but everything else was still the same except for Lois. You know we're talking about Superman, right? I know that you're talking about Superman. I saw it in the theater, and when it came out, it was double bill with Mary Poppins, and I watched it over and over because we were convinced that at that time, this was before computer graphics, that everything that you could imagine could be done in front of the screen because of the way the sun looked so real and all that. But yes, going around the earth <laughs> at yeah. super speed and making it revolve backward and reversing yeah. time yeah. was one of those refrigerator moments afterwards. <laughs> well, how did you... Yeah, what, what are we supposed to believe here? Is it the physical reversal of the spin of the planet? 
that I, changes time. It's one of those like Prometheus effect things. You know, like the, you watch it and you're like, okay, yeah. And then yeah. every second after that that you think about it, it's well, just like, no, no. There, there was no. a minute when I was like maybe six years old when somebody explained time zones to me where I thought, well, if I fly backwards in an airplane against the flow of the oh, time I'm... zones, I can go into the past. No, I was six, you know? Like, is that what's happening there? Can we talk about, like, how much physics havoc he caused on our planet here? Oh, yeah, we would yeah, all planet be dead. stopped spinning? He killed oh, the God. entire planet. Yes. But <laughs> that's why it's forbidden. <laughs> yes. But it's, 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 I mean, from what I understand, they've come out and said after the movie, is that the planet itself isn't going backwards. He's going so fast that he's going back in time. The, the, the visual that you're seeing is just for visual, just so that we know what's going on. But the That's visual was okay. that the planet spun backwards. Yeah. Right, so but you're understanding that you're going back in time. <laughs> he, they have to explain it to us Earthlings who are not as smart as the Kryptonians. Who, who explained it? I don't know. Richard yeah, Donner. Richard Donner, the oh. director. Donner, uh, well, then that sounds like <laughs> I, a I, poor I excuse of bad directing. I don't know. I, I kind of am willing to buy that. Right. I'm willing to buy that more. Like Superman can travel back in time, not so much that he reversed time on the entirety of the planet. Because that would be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Can I get clarity on one thing you said, Marshall? You called it a refrigerator moment. Is that because it references Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? And the oh, I, didn't, I didn't even think of that. I got refrigerator moment from a friend, John Perez, who said that after the movie's over and you go to the refrigerator for a beer, you say, hey, wait a second. And it didn't occur to you while you were watching. It did occur to us. That wasn't a refrigerator moment. That was one of those ones that occurred to us I was we thinking watching. Indiana Jones as well. Hey. And I was like, that is such a great phrase. <laughs> Use that from no. now. That's like Brett's battleshipping. Brett will use. What, what, is, what is saddleshipping? Oh, have, no. you, have you seen the movie Everybody Battleship? Get comfortable. <laughs> okay. Um, every single thing they say in the movie is scientifically inaccurate. From beginning <laughs> to end, the opening line of the movie is um, what was it? Uh, t- three years ago, we sent a message into space to a system that was ten light years away. Six months later, we heard back. And it's like, well, then that they were on their way, dude. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so you're saying the movie where they drift a battleship. They they drift a battleship. Like Tokyo drifted. Yeah. Is scientifically inaccurate? I can't believe it. It's wild. (laughs) It's wild. Now, this may, I may be saying something you guys already know, but I recently read that the refrigerator in Crystal Skull was a, an idea that they originally had for Back to the Future. That's how Marty got back. What? In the original draft of the script. Ugh. And it didn't quite work for them, but they kind of stuck it in their back pocket. Oh. And I guess, because Spielberg was a producer on Back to the Future, so I guess he had part in that idea. Mm. Spielberg yeah. took responsibility for it. He said that he was the one who had that idea, and he apologized for it. Spielberg? Right? Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I've never Spielberg. seen it. I've only heard enough about it to know that I didn't want to. Oh, it's rough in Indiana <laughs> yeah, Jones. It's not, don't, it's not worth it. Give it. <laughs> I, I do want to talk about, even though I've ranted an awful lot about this film, I thought the flying effects were really cool and well done. When this movie came out, the big tagline was, you will believe a man can fly. I totally believed it. nailed it. Yeah, and they did a great job. And not just the flying, job. but the landing. Yeah. Yeah. Was yes. really smooth. Yeah, I think there was like exactly one shot where I was like, okay, that one looks bad. And then every, the rest of the time, I didn't think about it. I was like, this is, I feel like this is great. Just and watching the this whole running thing. effect, like, I don't know how they did that, but that The running was, was rough. I, was, I thought so, Like, when too. he's racing the train? It was definitely rough, but it was such an interesting, like, jar, like, he wasn't moving like a human, which was interesting to me, because he's not a human, He's just you taking know? some big-ass steps. Yeah, and, like, it was, 
I still, I don't know how they did it. Like I've, I was like, is it a high shutter speed? Is it like, how, was the train going really slow? Like, I don't know how they did that effect. Something. You know, the, you, I mean, maybe, but like comping was not that advanced back then. It definitely wasn't this, but my favorite fast running effect is in Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. Because what they did is they had this, basically a carpet, a really, really long carpet that they dragged behind a truck. So the truck is going, what, 30 miles an hour. Mm. Your, your apes are on this carpet running as fast as they can. So it looks like they're running across the ground super fast. Oh, okay. And that effect works really well. Yeah, but that wasn't have... this movie. Have you seen the uh, the fast running effect in uh, Baron Munchausen? Uh, Tim, uh, excuse me, Terry Gilliam's. I've oh. seen it. I don't remember it. Oh, there Refreshes. was a really amazing speed. Uh, I, I keep wanting to think that it was Eric Idle's character, but I might be wrong. It was going at incredible speed. It was and, very. And do you know how they funny. did it? I, I don't know yeah. how they got it, but I know I that he was big on doing it, it in front of the camera and, you know, within the with the camera as much as it wasn't digital. So can I bring up one thing about the flying? Yeah. Um, the part no, Mitch, you're done. Okay, I'm, I'm leaving. No. Uh, the part when the, the, the Superman date with Lois, like yeah. when she, he takes her flying too. How does that work with her arm? Like, does it? Yeah, it was that, kind like, of snap Peter or something, or? a little yeah. and, bit. And she was flying as long as there was any physical contact. Like, it was like fingertip yeah. to fingertip, yeah. and she had it. Is that like? Is it like magnets? You know, like they're connected so that it, it, the current goes through, and then disconnect, and she's just flying to her death. Oh, the only thing I okay. can figure was that like they were actually falling, but he was like playing it cool so it seemed like she was still flying but then when she let go and she just started falling faster i guess it just it was different are you saying know. superman is buzz Lightyear? he's just yes, falling with style exactly yeah. <laughs> i do love that moment of like he drops her and he's like all right i fucked up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this could be a problem I like that with the helicopter, too, when the helicopter's, like, coming, crashing towards them, and she starts screaming. He's like, eh, it's cool, you know? I, no I love that, in this beautiful line, I've got you, you've got me, who's got you? Yeah. I love that. That was pretty great. Yeah. It's coming into the, maybe coming in late, it has an advantage. Can you synopsize what you've, what you've covered for your assessment Oof. of Superman? Um, I worship this movie, and Ash hates it. Um, <laughs> I, d uh, I don't. Yeah, no, I probably hate it. <laughs> we, we talked a lot about the pacing in the beginning because you spend a lot of time on Krypton. You spend a lot of time on the farm, and those are slower sequences. Um, you know, we talked about how Gene Hackman is more funny than intimidating. Uh, those were the big points. Yeah. He was conceited, as I recall. Yeah, he was. Uh, yes. Doesn't it give you a chill to be in the same room with me or something like that? Although I do love that line. I put it in my notes where he's like watching Otis on the, on the, the video. He's like, it's amazing that brain can power can generate enough power to for those little legs. I do like something the like line that. where he's like it's like something about like do you know what the number 200 has to do with the two of us? You're waiting my IQ. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do I mean I love the Otisburg thing just the annoyance on Gene Hackman's face. Otisburg? Like Miss Desmarca has a little place. Otisburg? I just I wish this. his, like, evil plan wasn't so lame. It just felt lame. It felt like Rocky and Bullwinkle yeah, to me. <laughs> it felt too cartoony it and lame. Like Goldfinger. Yes. I was thinking the same thing. Like, it was, like, the worst version, the the worst, like, the worst version of Goldfinger. It was the real, the, the real estate version of the Goldfinger plot. That's true. I like, think yeah. Goldfinger had a better plan. Like, yeah, 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 I do, too. That could actually kind of work. Goldfinger. 
he, it was, he wanted to blow thought, up Fort Knox with nukes, so all the gold was irradiated, so that the gold he had would be worth more. It'd go we up thought like he was going to steal the gold, but his plan was actually destroy the gold, so his gold was worth more. Not yeah. bad. It certainly makes more sense, like to to bank on the fact that a missile's going to knock a state in half and like throw half of it into the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's the four color world. I mean, but it is very similar because his his goal was to get rid of half of the land, so his land was worth more. He so. was yeah. right about essentially his wild guess that a rock from space was going to kill Superman. So like, yeah. I feel like he had every reason to trust his own calculations in that world. He was kind of <laughs> like the cartoony version of the guy from There Will Be Blood, buying up all the the <laughs> the real estate that no one wanted. And then he was going to make it worth something. <gasps> Daniel Day-Lewis as Lex Luthor. Ooh. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. That would be we're, amazing. We're recasting. Did you uh, talk more about special effects? No. You love the running, you said. I did like the running. I like the flying. I mean, the running I, The running was weird, but I liked that it was weird, I guess. Uh, I liked the flying. There was an interesting effect where when he goes to meet Lois Lane... Uh, and I didn't notice it till I rewatched it with Brett, where they're on the terrace. And at first, I just thought it was just a backdrop behind her. And then I was Projection like... Projection screen, isn't it? I was like, oh, my God, the cars are moving. And the lights are changing in and the building. And you see Superman fly in. Yeah. And then Christopher Reeve steps into frame. So and, it was know, a projector. I'm, I'm I pretty sure, yeah. It was a cool effect. Because, again, I don't think comping was that advanced yet for them to really... And I really you know. liked that effect. It was way better than if they had comped it. Yeah. Can I can I ask what what's comping? Comping. Okay. Comping is when you take uh, so you shoot an image on green screen and then you can replace the background or you can take that image and you can put it in somewhere else or you can you don't even have to do green screen. You could rotoscope by like cutting someone out. Every, yeah. Like yeah, the, like the the the, new, the weather guy on the news channel. In it just the, his hair is all fuzzy and he doesn't quite look right. That's like, comping. That's yeah, comping. the modern green screen where green screen really wasn't usable at that point. The entirety of the Marvel franchise. Pretty much every movie you see nowadays yeah. has a yeah. majority of comping in it. I now, mean, of course, it's done digitally now, so yes. it, it's just more convincing. I, I guess that, that's where I was getting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I understand green screen, green right. screen. Yeah, that's just I, comping. Is the other was uh, was another term uh, is for the it, other yeah. word for how to complete the green screen process? Yeah. Basically, comping so is was, taking was, the green screen shot footage and and stitching it together ah, in a believable way. Okay. I was 20 years old when it came out to the theater, and so it was a big deal. Everybody was going to see it for multiple reasons, but one of them was to see the best special effects anybody had ever done. Yeah. And so we watched it over and over, and we were impressed. However, it double-billed at one point with Mary Poppins, and right after we watched Superman, we watched this 1964-ish or so version of Mary Poppins that had special effects of her going up and her going to end. And we looked at each other and felt like these are better special effects because they they were happening in a real three-dimensional world. I think it were her shadow cast right. the building is. So you could tell that it was not composited. And as impressive as Superman was, you could tell that it yeah. was more than yeah. one piece of film. Even the graininess of it. I couldn't mm -hmm. had to run through the camera a second time to make it happen. Well, let's talk about what I think is the worst visual effect. When they had the green gl glowing data crystal, every time somebody picks it up, they're holding it with two hands all the way at the bottom of that crystal because they're probably holding some sort of flashlight apparatus oh. to make this glow. Like, if you picked up that crystal, you just pick it up with two fingers. But in this movie, they are gripping it with two whole hands at the base of the crystal. The worst visual effect, in my opinion, 
was the shot of the planet exploding. And if, and if you don't look at the planet exploding and instead you look to the left and look at the space behind it, you can clearly see the soundstage floor and the backdrop behind it fabric. Like when it explodes, it's so obvious. You know, that did bother me that they were set up as the planet Krypton will explode. And the planet Krypton starts collapsing, earthquakes, they pull out, and the star explodes. What? I thought it was the planet, but the whole star exploded in that yeah. scene. I mean, in that scene was my worst special effect, just everyone falling. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. like, the the horrible, com- like, a hundred comps of people falling. And, like, by the time they got to the back ones, they were, like, fading in and out. And, like, they were just hoping you wouldn't notice. So did the people who turned into a rock album, did they survive that explosion? Because they went out into space? Oh, <gasps> Mitch is shaking his head. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the criminals, <laughs> the three criminals, Zod, Ursa, and Nan, are in the Phantom Zone. They're in a completely different dimension. Oh. So... This is where you find out I know nothing about that's, anything that's, comic book related. That, yeah, that's, that's okay. where the second movie comes in. These are the criticisms of grown-ups and a videographer or two. These are <laughs> the, the criticisms of debunking it. Was there anything? I mean, you watched it as kids, right? You saw it when you were younger? I am 40 years old. I watched it a week ago as a child. That's the <laughs> only way to watch this movie. I, I, yeah. I if. If I understand what you're leading up to, I agree. Like, you have to watch this as a child with that wonderment. Yeah, yeah, which the Superman, the whole thing about Superman and the Phantom Zone and, and his his uh, uh, Fortress of Solitude and all that stuff really affected me as a kid. I fantasized about it, thought about it all the time. It was an important mythology to me. So I got some of that back from the movie when I was 20, but I, it, it hasn't sustained. So I, I wondered how it, uh, whether there was anything in you that really felt like it brought you back to the magic that you went to it for in the first At, place. Every time, that, that bump of them. Bum, 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 bum. Like oh, I leading, love that. The curtains fade away, yeah. and that it's like a child reading a comic book. Oh, oh yeah, let me tell but, you something about the cur- yeah. curtains fading away. When when they had it at the theater, they had the the comic book was vertical, and they had the uh, curtains in there, so it looked like it was going to be a vertical movie. Now, this is my re- my recollection of it. And then they pulled the curtains out, and the logo came out to show you this is not going to be gritty old stuff. This is going to be really new, That's amazing That's fascinating, because they did that with Galaxy Quest as well. Yes. And I didn't realize, because I didn't have the opportunity to see Superman in the theater, yeah. I didn't realize they stole that from Superman, but they did it with Galaxy Quest My too. favorite experience like that, not with curtains, but was when we went to see The Dark Knight. I think it was the second one. Oh my gosh, yeah. And the we're at... The fancy theater in Hollywood. They were hanging out at the, the Arclight. Arc Opening night. And they're like robbing the bank in the beginning, you know? And then all of a sudden, as they're robbing the bank, the fire alarm goes off. And like these flashing lights start flashing in the theater. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah. this is turning into an immersive experience. Yeah, this you forget because awesome. the, the, the thing went off, the movie stopped. But it stopped at the second that they cut the power in the bank uh, to yeah, rob the bank. Yeah, it was perfect. And so the screen goes black. The alarms start going, and everyone's and nobody like, moved. What? Because we all thought it was part of the movie. But yeah. also nobody moved, and then the staff came in and said, "This is a fire alarm. You need to exit." No, you guys, this is and real. Still, no one got up. People were like, "We were no, willing to it's die." Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that is how serious we are about superhero movies. Yeah. No, I'm just that serious about Batman. <laughs> that serious about Nolan. Yes. Yeah. 
So we, we should probably talk a little bit about the new comic book series. Have you been reading this, uh, uh, Mitch? Sorry, I lost your name for a second. Have you been reading the nuke series? Uh, yes, uh, the new uh, Man of Steel and Superman written by uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Oh yeah, yeah. Now Brett and I have read the first six issues of just Man of Steel, so not the, the super five issues of Man of Steel. I haven't gotten to the Superman yet. Okay. Which I'm I'm glad because I might have I was real close to spoiling something. <laughs> uh, what are your What are your thoughts on this new series? Have you been a Bendis reader in the past? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, all of his Marvel stuff, his Ultimate Marvel, his Ultimate Spider-Man, his, um, you know, Defenders is all great work over there. So when they made that big announcement that he was moving over to DC, I was like, this is going to be interesting. Like his, I, I, I do enjoy his writing. So how do you feel? How do you guys feel about this book? Any, any big opinions? As of right now, I, I mean, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm just more in the anticipation mode of what, where it's going to go. I don't know about this, this, Big bad that he created. That's the big. That's the biggest problem for me right at this moment. But we'll see what happens. I care more about the arson storyline than I care about this new big bad. It seems pretty cookie cutter to me. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But that might just be our window, like our, uh, you know, the, the the doorway in. Here's your your cookie cutter adventure. But underneath it, like, because that that the fire thing is very much in the background, and it. Even reading it, it kind of is like, oh, why is this in here? But like, you know, you know, it's gonna be a thing. So I kind of, I kind of like the setup. Like they're starting off with your the expected, and but leading you into the new adventure. So the, you know, the things that I'm enjoying about this book, the the main story itself is not so great, but these moments of Superman having this, I really want to punch my way out of this, but that's not the way to go. You know, things like that where he has to kind of take a moment to think. This guy is baiting me, and if I move too fast and just punch stuff, then he's going to get what he needs. These moments where he has to stop himself, keep his power in check, and figure out the smart way to go, that's the stuff I'm enjoying. Yeah, that was definitely, like, an ongoing theme, and, you know, they make uh, Lois say it a, a bunch of times, too. Like, you know, it, it gets, it's good. It's good. I like it. I, 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 I also closing like thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's not much to say on that. Like, there's not not so much has happened. I guess the question is: Are you going to continue reading this particular series? Did you? Did, has it hooked you? Ooh, good yes. question. I, I, I believe so. Yeah, I'm I'm in for a while. Yeah. You know, I've I've got a pull box set up and I've I've got them stacking up. So I'm I'm in for now. I want to see where it goes. Question: Is the tone similar to the tone of Superman in this movie? Very much like. Happy-go-lucky, here to save the world, more positive. Yes, but there's like a spectrum. And if you think like this movie is the most four-color, happy, cheesy, these new books are on their way to that, but not over the top. Gotcha. The lights are on in this story. It's apparent from issue one that uh, it's, it's the thing you're thinking of, but except that it has a bad guy that's like a post Nolan ba- bad guy. Okay. He's just so kind of a, a real grumpy dude. But he's <laughs> he's definitely a Boy Scout, 100% Boy Scout, which is the right way to go, I think. The, the villain or Superman? Su- Superman? Superman. Okay. Oh, okay. No, no. The, the, villain, <laughs> the villain is, is no Boy Scout. <laughs> yeah. He just wants every person too. with Kryptonian blood dead. Yeah. So a grumpy a harsh. Boy yeah. Scout villain. Well, awesome. I think it's, like, the perfect time to start getting back to, like, that kind of happy superhero bit. Yeah, like, and if you are a comic book reader, like, this is a good opportunity to get into that story arc. But let's let's finish up with the movie um, and kind of get our final thoughts here. 
Sam, having never seen it? I really liked it. I think the bits are dated, but overall, it was super fun. I was really entertained, and I, I felt new because it was so different from what superhero movies are now, which is like all about the dark and the violence and the punching and the action. And this was about characters, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, there's very little punching. If, yeah. If, if you feel like that's punched. missing and you want it, check out Superman 2. Because you get to see Superman up against those three Kryptonian criminals. You get that part. Well, like, uh, if you I want didn't that. miss it. That's the thing. I'm, I'm totally okay. on Sam's side with this. The, the, they set up this movie in, in from the, you know, I guess I don't want to say the first minute because it was 45 minutes. But uh, they throw in early a problem that Superman cannot solve. And you're just like, oh, like... Yeah, I guess, I mean, he can't just stop people from dying if they're going to die. And Can we also talk about how he actually killed him, too? <laughs> it's his fault. No, no. that's unfair. It was totally his fault. He was like, but, I'll race you, Dad. He got like three steps in. He shouldn't he, have done that, though. But, but I think that's perfect. Like, everybody says, oh, Superman's boring because he doesn't have a weakness. Oh, he has a weakness. Her name is Martha. You know, and that's so important. Like, he is Superman because Jonathan died and he couldn't stop it. Yeah, and the, and the real bad guy, well, I don't want to say the real bad guys, but the, the real problem of this movie was the earthquake and this stuff that he really can't do anything about, except they fucking made it so he could do something about it by going back in time. But, you know, it, up until then, it was just like, this is these are problems that Superman can't fix, and, like, it's crushing him, and it's really good character stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I really liked this movie a lot if if it had ended in Lois's death. Uh, totally agree. Totally agree. <laughs> and even with the weird, even with the weird back in time stuff, uh, I still really enjoyed it. Uh, and I guess I need to watch the second one for that to make sense. If you want, uh, I will because I, I enjoyed it that much. I want to watch the series now. Uh, but yeah. Well, three and four kind of come off the rails. <laughs> Mitch is shaking his head. Oh no! I mean, if you want to just com- be a completist and get get through it, it the I mean, get you can get through four. It's it's a hard watch, but it's a. Uh, can we turn there. it into a drinking game of some sort? Well, how about this? Do you like Richard Pryor? <laughs> yeah, uh, he's in part three. He's he's uh, one of the foils of part three, kind of. So for me, I'm not going to say much except my feelings that I over articulated in the first half of the episode are still are still firm i'm still into it what about you ash you were probably the most negative yeah i i mean i wouldn't say that i like absolutely hate this movie because i think there are good parts in it you know like i think christopher reeve was great and i think i think there are some really great visual effects and there's some good scenes in this movie like, I thought the scene where Lois died, like, I totally agree with you, Brett, like, where... I felt it. Yeah, I, I felt it. And I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And I wish she had stayed dead because I think it would have been more impactful and powerful. And it would have been like, oh, this is his real weakness, not a stupid rock. Because, like, this is, like, a real serious thing that he can't prevent, you know? Um, but then I guess we're creating, like, Nolan Batman if that happened, right? But like, I also <laughs> love Nolan Batman. So that's why, you know, that's why I think for me this that this spectrum of the comic book look, I think as far as, like, the superhero spectrum goes, I don't like the 
as you're calling it, the four-color world. Like, I'm not a fan of that style. I'm more of a fan of the Christopher Nolan style. Um, so I liked the realism of that moment. I thought it was really intense and great and, and not like the rest of the film. Like I wanted more of that. Um, but yeah, I think there's good things in here. I'm curious to see the second one, honestly, because I do want more of him fighting a super villain. I've got so. a hypothesis question, question for you. Uh-huh. Was the, were the Nolan films like your entry into the, like the comic book superhero zone? Like, they were not the first superhero movies I had ever seen, if that's your question. I guess the first ones that you were ever, like, super, super into, though. You into yeah. X-Men or Spider-Man, mm-hmm. essentially? Yeah, like, there's, Tim there's Burton, the, Batman. Yeah, there's yeah. Tim Burton, Batman, or there was the Spider, like, yeah, the Spider-Man series before that. Or yeah, Iron they Man. never really did it for me. Because I, I don't think, I don't think I like the cheese level that's going on, you know? I gotcha. Yeah. Even though I like Tim Burton, but I, I just don't think I liked... Yeah, because I'm going to guess that the four-color team is, like, pro the older films. Like, that, w- that was yeah. where you got in, and, like, it's just... Also, people that have read the comics. Oh, yeah, and, co- yeah, because we, yeah, we've all read the... I mean, I never read a Superman comic before seeing that movie, but but still, I I approached it with a certain attitude of, of comic bookiness. Yeah. That's interesting, because, like... So I've never read the comics, the Superman comics, and I just found myself going, what the fuck is going on? Like, several times through this movie? Like, when the people turn into a musical album cover, I was like, what is happening? Like, there's no explanation. And and that is a failing of the filmmakers. Yeah. Like, you're not supposed to understand the Phantom Zone. Space Jam. Like, (laughs) you do if you watch both movies, but that's a flaw in the movie. Yeah, so I I found myself many times going, what is happening? And then, like, I watched the movie twice because I saw it with Brett, and I was like, I'm still not sure why the planet is exploding. And I've seen this film twice in just, like, the span of a couple of days. I still don't know why the planet exploded. I, there's just so many things that I'm like, what? what is happening? But why it, did he throw this thing and this, like, big ice thing came out of nowhere? Like, there's so much that I'm like, what is happening? It's Solitude. It's House and Box. But like, for somebody who doesn't know anything, yeah, it's hard. To, it's, it's hard, hard to follow. understand what's happening in this film. Anyway, that's just my side rant. That's all right. <laughs> so, Marshall, you joined us a little bit late, and I, I didn't really get. Have you watched the movie recently? No, and I'm okay. sorry I haven't, but I didn't know about this podcast until I, just minutes ago. No problem. Uh, we're we're just hanging out. I did. Uh, I liked Superman more than all the other comic books growing up, and these included the ones that were from the uh, from the previous era, the 1930s and 40s, uh, but also the Neil Adams ones, the ones that came out in the 60s and 70s were ones I was reading, and we kind of wondered in 1978 how they would handle the truth, justice, and the American way, which was part of the TV thing. How are yeah, they going to handle yeah. it? And he did do it sarcastically. Subtly in a truth, justice in the American way. He did like he didn't mean it, and we all knew that that was a way of not touting the American way to the world audience. Which and also there was didn't they do the telephone booth gag in there where there were yeah it's like "Eh, I'm not going in the phone booth yeah I did like that because I as that is like one of my limited pieces of information of Superman was I did pick up on that one. You you reminded me of something about like. Knowing a comic book, knowing they're making a movie of the comic book, and thinking, are they going to do this? When they said they're going to make a Thor movie, I thought, is he going to hit people with a hammer? I don't want to see that in a movie. That's brutal. But I think they handled it well. Yeah, I really liked it at the time, and I think a lot of people did. And it was as true uh, to the comic book 
as it needed to be. You're going to turn it into a movie. It's another thing. Also, it wasn't just the comic book. It was a TV show. Most people that did not, didn't read the Superman comics, they just knew the TV show from and the 60s. And those amazing Fleischer cartoons. Uh, yes, and the Fleischer cartoons, yes. Yeah. Was there a TV show first? Yeah, in the 50s, oh, when okay. we were talking about George Reeves, that was the 50s. Got it. And was there another TV show between then? The Fleischer cartoons would have been Thursday because they closed down in about uh, 1940-ish, 41, 41. So before this movie would have been the George Reeves show, the Fleischer cartoon, and that was, okay. Yeah, that was, that was it. So we were all very pleased, and we had no notion of Christopher Nolan or Tim Burton. No notion at all of that. Nobody had come in and deconstructed them and made them more complex with counterpoints, you know, and tortured and all that. So it, yeah, it was, for its time, it was very good. And uh, you are all the ones who are deciding whether it has held up or not. Fair enough. So, Mitch, uh, take us home. As a Superman fan, how did you feel about watching this movie again? Uh, well, as a Superman fan, um, I have to say that I, I, I think I felt the same way that Sam did. It, it, it's very outdated, but I have the, the, the parts where that I'm just like, okay, that's Superman. That's, that's what I'm looking for. That's the tone. That's the character. That's, that's the feeling I'm trying to get from when I watch Superman on the big screen. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, I have gone back and rewatched Man of Steel. And I think, you know, there's definitely problems with it. And it doesn't have the 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 hope that I want when uh when you're 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 talking about Superman, but it's better than the rest of the DCEU. So we don't get an actual Superman in the DCEU until Justice League when he's coming back from the dead. You know, like that version of him is is kind of the the one that I, I've been looking for. It harkens back to Christopher Reeve. So, uh, and 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 but the Christopher Reeves one, or Reeve, sorry, is that you have um. When his father died, when Paul Kent dies, and you, you'd already talked about it, it's something that he couldn't he couldn't handle, he couldn't do anything about. But in that one, it's almost like there was him having a heart attack is a lot different than his dad telling him not to come save him. Like he had the opportunity, he could have done something about it, and he he chose not to because his father said not to. Whereas a heart attack, he didn't even know what was happening. Yeah. Like, so that that was something I loved in Man of Steel. That he decides not to save his father? That, that they handled it that way where it was just Kevin Costner saying, no, okay. you can't do this. And it was a very different way of handling, but I did like that. Okay. I, 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 I don't I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I'm agreeing with you, Mitch. I like the... I like this idea that it's just this thing because that's what life really is. Is like there's these moments where like fuck, you get in a car accident and like you you weren't you know you think it's not going to happen. Like there's this really great film in my opinion that's all about that. It's called Other People, and it's this movie with Molly Sh- Shannon. She's amazing, but it's it's about um oh I forget his name. He's amazing too. The main actor guy. He was in the Star Trek uh uh. The Star Trek we're playing Dark, this game. Uh, Black Mirror. The Star Trek Black Mirror. What's his name? Oh, I think that Matt was Damon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other Matt Damon. Uh, something Clemens. Jesse Clemens. I think it was him. Anyway, I think that might have been him. It's a fantastic movie about the fact that like his mother gets cancer, and it's all about him and his family dealing with that. And it's like there's nothing you can do, and it's the type of thing that you always see happen to other people. And so I, I do like that too, Mitch, where it's like, no, this is just a realist, realism moment that he, yeah. he can't do anything about. I definitely prefer what's in the 78 movie, but I like the idea of what's in the newer movie. <laughs> Probably the only thing that I liked in the newer movie. 
I, 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 like I said, I, I, I did enjoy the movie for what it was and knowing that it was, it's a 1978 movie. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And and whoever's li- whoever's those of you who are listening, if anyone to the else show, is listening, since Mitch yeah. is here, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> just want to say sorry about all the noise. But it's been a great time coming hope out here at the Comic Con. I hope it's worth <laughs> the noise. But yeah, and it's it's cool to see you guys here at Comic Con. We're having a great time. You know, we've been doing a bunch of offsite stuff. The the good place was really fun. I'm excited to see Jack Ryan, even though the actual event wasn't that great. But um, you seen, know what? The, it might have been great. You just didn't get into any of it. Yeah, I yeah. think it was great for a small, small amount of people. But yeah, saw some stuff with the new Predator movie. Got to see the new Doctor. There's exciting stuff happening, and and so glad you guys came out and talked to us about Superman today. Yeah, it was fun. Woo! So, are you uh, doing anything online that you want people to be aware of, Mitch? Uh, yes, yes, actually. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm Mitch, at Mitchipedia, G-E-R, and the G-E-R stands for Geek Elite Radio, and that's my podcast. Uh, check that out. Um, we do a bunch of different shows. Thursday's a movie show. Sunday is a bunch of different uh, hour-long geek shows, like after shows that we do. Uh, Tuesday is all the comic book TV shows out there, so, you know, your, your Arrows, your Supergirls, we talk about all that. Um, and then Wednesday is straight-up comic books, so... Check out, you know, check us out on any social media. You'll find us Geek, Geek Elite Radio. Awesome. And Marshall, do you have an online presence you want to talk about? I have a little online presence. I, mostly I teach in Southern California. I teach storytelling to uh, filmmakers and animators and storytellers and, and other things. And my website is martialart.com. That's M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L-A-R-T, martialart.com. And you can find me on Facebook as well. And I make announcements for when I do local stuff and online stuff. Oh, so you do like local uh, talks, stuff like that? Uh, yes, and screenings. I mean, I've shown uh, uh, hundred, more than a hundred films uh, with commentary, you know, with students. Oh, and, we, uh, should, we should check some of those out. Do you uh, do you have any like seminars or anything coming up? I do. I have an animal anatomy seminar coming up this next week. I have a draftsmanship seminar coming up this week. By the time your podcast people get this, it may be too late. Yeah, it's next Friday. But yes, if they're on my website, if they're subscribed to my list, they'll know everything that I do. Oh, cool. cool. All right. All right. Well, if you like this show, this is part of the Laugh Stash TV Network of Content. It's this podcast and a YouTube channel with a bunch of drinking shows, cooking show, video game parodies, and a lot of other fun stuff. Yeah. So you can check us out on YouTube. We're Laugh Stash TV. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Laugh Stash TV. Or you can follow this podcast specifically at Let's Rewatch. Um, and I saw a couple people say that they wanted the button, but they weren't here. So if there's uh-huh. interest in the button, let me know and maybe we can sell it. But yeah, check us out. Uh, yeah, if you liked our show, please give us a positive review on Google Play or iTunes. And we'd love to know what you thought of this live episode and if we should continue to break format and do these fun things. So make sure your podcast feed is up to date and tell your friends we'll be back in another two weeks for another episode of Let's Rewatch. Next time, <laughs> next time we're going to watch Rabbit Grannies. <laughs> you like the rabbits? Like, 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 like rabbit, like they have rabies, like zombies.